Well, uh, thank you, Christine. It was a pleasure working with you in Kalamazoo. So excited to be here today. We're going to start off with an activity. Um, and there's going to be quite a bit of movement that's going around today with activities on tables, around people sitting on the floor. So we're glad that, uh, that, you, that you are here. So um, if you have a coffee, watch out. So we're going to start out with an exercise here. Um, if you could track along with me, I'm going to start off and say a number sequence. And if you think you know the next, the next number, I'd like for your hand to shoot up and I'd like for you to give it a shot. And we'll see if you get it right um, or if we need to go elsewhere. Okay? How does that sound? Okay? Okay, so we're going to start off. I've got this ball here. So are you guys good at catching, right? Yeah? Dave, you good at catching? Okay, he says he is. Okay, so let's see. I'm going to start one, a two. One... Two. Three. Uh, sorry. Good try, though. Good try. Not, not three. Four. Four is right. One, two, four. Think it in your mind. Think it in your mind. Sixteen. Not sixteen. Good try, though. Good try. Can you tell me what you were thinking? Squares. Squares. Okay. 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 All the way out back. Eight. Eight is correct. Yes, thank you. Okay, what else? What else? One, two, four, eight. Thirty-two. Not thirty-two. Good try, though. Good try. Good try. Yeah, all the way in the back there. Sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah, I like that. I like that. One, two, four, eight, sixteen. Yeah. What do you think? 32, yeah, 32. Uh, one more. Let's take one more person. Uh, all the way in the back. Can you catch it? Okay, there you go. 32, 32. <laughs> what, what did you say? 64. What do you guys do? You think it's 64? Okay, I'd like for you to turn to your neighbor and share what you think the rule was so far. Okay, you can throw it back. Okay, Jody, what did you and your partner say? We said it was times two. It was times two, that's correct. Okay, let's try another one. Um, you can use the papers that are on your table right now. If you want to write anything down as you go so you can remember what we've said so far. We're going to start off with another one. Last one started one, two. This one is going to start one and then two. Um, one and two. One and two. What number? Yeah, Celeste, what do you think? Three. Not three. Good try, though. Good try. What do you think she was thinking? What's that? Adding one. Primes. Primes. Okay. Okay. It's not, it wasn't three. So that was a good idea. It was a good idea. Yeah. Five? Not five. Not five. Good try, though. Good try. Yeah, in the back. Four. Four is correct. Four is correct. One, two, four. One, two, four. Nine. Not nine. Good try. Good try. Yeah. Seven? Not seven. Not seven. This is kind of a tricky one. Sixteen? Not sixteen. It's a, it's a smaller number. Think smaller. Think smaller. Six. Not six. You're close, though. You're very close. You're very close. What were you thinking with six? Oh, okay. So that, that was a good idea. That was a good idea. Um, five. Five is correct. It's, it is five. It is five. And I didn't tell you before, right? No. Why, why, why five? Okay, well, I used her information, and I went, if one goes to four plus three, two would go to five plus three. Okay, interesting reasoning. Okay. Seven is correct. Seven is correct. There goes the theory. It was a good try. Yeah. Eight is correct. Eight is correct. Are you seeing something on your paper? Matt, there you go. Oh, <laughs> We're good. I'm a middle school teacher, so 123. Good try, not correct. <laughs> you see any patterns on the paper of what you've written? One, two, four, five. Where are we at? Did we? Seven, eight. Ten. Ten. Turn, turn to your neighbor. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah. 
heard in I heard in the back. I heard it. Oh, I got that. Uh, Callie, what did uh, what did your group come up with? Oh, you think it's ten? Why do you think the next number is ten? Said it went plus one plus two or plus three. Plus one plus two plus one. Okay, so that was the pattern within the number. You guys want to do one more? Yeah. Okay, let's do one more. Uh, we're not doing one two this time. We're starting zero one. Zero one. Zero one. What do you think the next number is in the sequence? Zero one. Zero one. Yes. There you go. Four. Four is correct. Four is correct. Interesting. You think you got a theory or was it a lucky guess? Oh, I have a theory. You have a theory. Okay. Interesting. Well, let's see if your neighbor thinks the same thing. Nine is correct. Nine is correct. Sixteen is correct. Sixteen is correct. Oh, that might be short. What's that? Twenty-five is correct. Turn to your neighbor. Share what you think the rule is. You guys got that one quick. Okay, what was the answer that you came up with with your neighbor? What did you come up with? Front ladies right here, what did you guys come up with here as your rule? Square numbers, okay? So how many of you in your classes, if I were to say, if you were to think of a class and you know of someone within your class that the moment you ask the question, boom, they got their hand up and they know the right answer, there's been no big time, they've anticipated your question, the answer's in. How many of you have that student that you could say right now, that hand's going up, okay? At the same time, how many of you can think about the student that's in your room that you could say, I'm going to give you a free pizza meal, and that kid is going to sit there. Their hand's not going up, right? Okay. Um, that's what we're going to be focusing on today, is the engagement of all students in class. Um, the first couple people that volunteered, you're probably pretty confident people, right? That first uh, problem that we went through, a number of people got the answer wrong. Let me tell you a, a story. I was sitting in class, I was a second year teacher, and I was doing this activity, and I had this uh, fifth grader in class, I was teaching fifth grade math at the time, um, who took the ACT that year and scored a 29 on the math section. Pretty smart girl, okay? Um, she's sitting in class, and uh, the class is known she has never gotten an answer wrong in her lifetime before in the math class. What do you think the response was, is when this student caught the ball, said the number, and I said, good try, but it's not correct. And the next student, next to her, student who was emerging within the classroom, uh, raised his hand proudly and said the exact right answer, and the class went, <gasps> what did that do to the culture of the classroom within that moment? It said that anyone can participate, and everyone will get answers wrong, and anyone can get answers correct. And that's the goal with the activities that we're going to be participating today, is that within your classroom, I'm hoping to challenge your philosophy of how you're instructing. Are you instructing with the mindset of direct instruction, or we are going to get an answer that a kid has already been thinking about, or are we having a culture where wrong answers are part of what we do every single day? It's not, one thing that fries me is, is when I'm working um, in a classroom or when I was teaching and and I would, you know, I'd catch myself and I'd make a mistake and I'd say, what did people say? Well, that was a test. That was a test to see. No, it was a mistake and I made it and I need to acknowledge that. So we need to start with acknowledging that ourselves. Um, I'm going to show you um, just a very brief, um, oh, one comment real quick is the presentation at the end, there's a tiny uh, URL link. So if you want to get all the information at the end from um, the PowerPoint, um, from the Google Slides, I'll share that with you, and it's open to anyone, not just within our school, but um, I made it available to anyone with the link. Um, so let's uh, take a peek here um, at, this was my first job. Um, I uh, worked, uh, anyone from Hudsonville by chance? Any Hudsonville people? Okay, so you know the fairgrounds in Hudsonville. So my dad owns a business right in the front, a factory called Top Crop Metal Products. And I worked, this was me as a 13-year-old kid, and we'd sort parts. Uh, the lady to the left is, her name is Marquita. Uh, she still works there. Um, and this is something that I would do with her every, every day all summer long. We'd work 10-hour shifts. 
This is called ODL, where we take the shaft and we put the two felt pieces on. You can see her doing it right now. And it was rolling. And we take it and we would, there's a clip that's going to go on. She put it right in. There's a foot compressor. You hit it. Smacks itself in place. She checked it because they were taking a video, I think. Um, this is from uh, 10 years ago or so. And then she put it into, into the container. You would do this for 10 hours straight. Talk about a mindless job, right? This would go on and on. And Marquita's still doing this. She's still doing this 15 years later. Um, as the boss's kid, I wanted to make sure that you know I was respected on the plant floor. Um, so we would we would take breaks. We'd go nonstop. Um, there was no music allowed, so it was just kind of yourself and uh, whatever you wanted to think about, and this kind of mindless task. I'm going to equate this to our math classrooms. I'm wondering if we if our students get into the classroom and they come, they show up, they show up on time, they come with a smile on their face, they're eager to work, and then they arrive, and they sit, and their mind floats for 10 hours. They do the things that we want them to do, but have we truly engaged them with the math process? And that's what we're going to be getting to uh, today. Okay, um, next up, uh, I have just a short little video clip, and I can, I can hardly stand the video, so I'm probably not going to let, let it go very long. So, um, this is kind of, if I were to take a moment, I about if I were to go into your classroom or if you had an administrator or a parent or someone, the question that I would ask you is what activities are most often happening in your classroom? If you're working from a curriculum, does your classroom every day look like I start with my math box, I do the, the intro lesson, I do my direct instruction, the kids sit there, I have five minutes of guided practice, and then I do five minutes of homework time. Are we in a routine where we're continually circling around the pony of doing the same things every day, putting the two felt pieces on, putting the clip on the ODL shaft, putting it in, grabbing a new one. Are we exploring other options? How are your lessons structured? What percent of the math period is spent with students talking? You'll be doing a lot of talking here this morning. And does your curriculum or choices promote exploration, discovery, and a collaborative culture? The picture on the right here, I pulled this from a, uh, a TED talk that I'm going to show, just a very uh, brief clip later on today. Um, the right is this growth mindset. This actually was in the framework of wrong kids that were answering questions incorrectly within the math class. How stimulated the brain was. The left side is a fixed mindset. Students that are showing up, not actively engaging. How can we get our students over to the right side here? So what we're going to do here uh, is look at uh, just some questioning here. When we look at Blooms or we look at DOK, um, DOK was new to me when I moved from Michigan to Indiana. Um, depth of knowledge. How many of you are familiar with depth of knowledge? Okay, very, not, not many. Um, these two kind of go hand in hand, but we're looking at what level of instruction are we providing. Are we looking at, and this is very common sense, but are we looking at these base levels? I would argue that most of math instruction, unfortunately, happens at these bottom two levels that we're trying to teach a lesson and we're saying, okay, Celeste, what's four times eight? And the rest of the class is just sitting here. The lowest level of thinking. We're engaging so little of our class. How can we get ourselves higher? How, what activities can we do to promote that? Um, these are some basis, uh, the basis of what I believe strongly that math classrooms need to consist of. Kids need to be able to do three things in our classroom. They need to use calculators, they need to use pencil and paper, and they need to be able to do mental math. There are people that are anti-calculators. If you are out there, we need to be able to use calculators. If you're anti-paper and pencil, I don't know why you're teaching. And then mental math, that, that's probably why you're here today. 
Um, becoming fluent takes these three different components, the repetition, the variation, and the depth. With our activities, you need to be fluctuating what you're doing. We can't just hit the repetition. Repetition's important. Someone was coming in, do we need to use, I just bought flashcards. Are you going to tell me that I should be returning these? No, you know, they're, they're a valuable tool for us. And in order to find success, kids must be able to collaborate and talk. Mistakes must be part of the classroom culture, which starts with you. You have to be the one that starts that culture. And the students must, the teacher must model, model, and model some more. We're going to do an activity here, and uh, because of uh, the speaker system, I'm going to explain some of these directions. Um, at your table, there's a packet of dice and cards. The person that's sitting next to you will be your partner for just a little bit. Um, I'd like for you to first take out one die. One die. You'll need your paper close by, so keep that there. For those on the side, right now you can steal from someone else around you. Later on, we're going to do an activity. Oh, I've got a couple extra packets. There you guys go. It's coming in. Thank you. And thank you for your flexibility as we move from Bethel to over here. I know that some of you got a little bit of exercise this morning. What's going to happen is you're going to take the one die out. Um, each person needs one die. Um, each person needs one die. If you want to pick your favorite color, you can. All of these activities that we have today, um, I have on uh, all YouTube videos of them, so that they're unlisted. So if you want to go back and have them, and if you want to share them with students or what the directions are and have it modeled for you, you're happy to use that. Um, that will be, I'll keep that available. So you're going to have your one die, and as a group, we are going to have a target number that we're going to try to hit. Um, what will happen is you're going to take your die, you're going to roll it. You are then going to be able to decide if you want to add, subtract, multiply, or divide what your new die is to what you previously had before. In my example video here, I have 20. And all these activities, please adapt them. Think about how could I adapt them to my own classroom. I know in this room, for people I know, I know that we have health teachers, and I know we have kindergarten teachers. So please be ready to adapt appropriately. So our number that we're going to use for today is 125. Okay, now before you get started, um, I want you to take 10 to 15 seconds of think time and think, how are you going to get to that number? Because we could sit here all day and Joy could be rolling ones all day long and it takes her 125 rolls together. So I want you to think about how am I going to get to 125? How am I going to get there? So take 10 seconds, think about how you're going to get there and then we'll start. You can, you, you can just think of any number of points. Can you choose not to use a roll? Okay, uh, you can take your die and you can go, and if you get it, celebrate amongst yourself. You know, you didn't win the lottery. I don't have a prize for you, but we're going to take about one minute. I want you to take your die, roll it, either add, subtract, multiply, or divide until you get to 125. Go. Yeah, you're, yep, you can do it separately. Yep. You have to use every roll. You can't skip rolls. Yeah.
had went before they started, what was the strategy that you were thinking of? How am I going to get to 125? What did you have? Matt, what were you thinking? Uh, we multiplied to begin. You multiplied? Multiplied. Okay. Was there a number that you thought if I got to this that I could then get to 125? Not really. Well, we did get to 80 and then we thought if we multiply next, we're going to be big, but then we thought we could always divide. Okay. So we got lucky, we got to cut it. Okay, you got lucky. Okay. Matt got lucky. Okay. But good, good reasoning. Anybody else? Anyone have a process of it? Yeah, what was your idea? My idea was to multiply until you got too big and then we could subtract down. But then I had the same thing. I got to 90 and rolled a uh, 6 or something like that. So then I was like, well, obviously I can't continue to do right, that. Right. So then I had to add and subtract. Okay, okay. Yeah, last one. I worked one. really hard to get to 25. So uh, I just, uh, Anybody else think of 25? Okay, numbers that ended in zero or five. Maybe somebody was trying to say if I could get to a hundred, if I have this benchmark number, if I got to twenty, I know I can multiply by five. If I knew that I was at, uh, you know, another number, uh, twenty-five, I can multiply by four, you know, or I can multiply by five, or thirty times six. So you, so you got there that way. Uh, I need to take out a second die now. Um, we're going to add one more die to the mix. Um, this will be a, uh, a multi-step here where what you'll be able to do uh, is you'll be able to take your two die and you'll roll them together and you'll be able to do any process that you would like with them. You can add the two numbers together, you can subtract the numbers together, you can multiply, you can divide the numbers together. Say I rolled a 6 and a 3, I can say 6 divided by 3 is 2. I can take the, the answer that I had before, I can take 2 and do anything with that number before. I can add it, I can multiply it, I can subtract anything. I could square it, whatever I wanted to do. Um, you could even do some for more advanced students here. You could type it to yourself for advanced. Uh, you know, if you had three divided by six, you could do a half and multiply by half if you wanted to. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a new target number. Um, and this, you'll need to be very strategic about this right here you could add up if you got close. This next number that we're going to have, you'll need to be much more strategic with. You won't be able to just take a lucky guess and hope that you get there. 1,234. Okay, so I want for you to think, now this is important, before you start rolling, this is important that you think, what steps will get me close? What do I know that could get me there? What's my first target number that will lead me to my next number? Okay, if you just start adding or you just multiply randomly, it won't work out well for you, okay? So take five more seconds and then we'll begin. Okay, you can go.
got it. Okay, very nice. Okay, we'll pause right there. Um, what were the target numbers as you were trying to get close to 1234? What was the number that, how did you get there? Well, I, what were the target numbers that you were thinking of as you were getting started thinking, if I could get to this number, I could be in business, I could get close. What were those target numbers that you had? Does anyone have a target number? A thousand. Okay. A little bit of a, a little bit of a stretch, but a thousand was one. What about if we think of some of the factors? What if we thought about the factors of maybe twelve hundred? What are some of the factors of twelve hundred? Four hundred. Six hundred. Forty. Twelve. So we can use those, that factor knowledge to bring in and say, how can I get close? It's incredible to see students that do this over a period of time start to warp their minds about when you teach factors, you know, oh, we're doing factor rainbows today. Well, does that have any meaning? This really gives meaning to when we start talking about uh, factors. Um, there's a resource that I'd like to show you. Um, you can put your die away for uh, right now. Um, this is a resource which is a great uh, warm-up activity for your classroom, specifically if you are in, I would say, that three to six window. Um, this is a great resource. Um, anyone familiar with Estimation 180? Estimation 180. A couple. Okay. Um, Estimation 180 is a great resource. When we talk about the standards that we're trying to teach, at Highland Christian we have a list of these essential standards that we're trying to say. This is the Bible and guaranteed curriculum that we're going to pass on to you so late. Sixth grade, you will know this material. There are the other standards that aren't as important. Um, for example, an ELA, onomatopoeia. How many of you you have used that professionally in your career outside of teaching? No one. Okay, so that's one of that's one of the Indiana State standards. I forget what grade it is, but it's kind of one of those extra, the extra ones that we don't do. Um, when we talk about measurement, when we talk about um, weight, when we talk about height and different measures of units. Um, this is a great resource to choose to really push uh, those standards. So sometimes when we try to add that into our lessons, it's not as effective as it should be. So I'd like for you to turn to your neighbor. And I, there's this guy here, uh, I always want to say Stradel, uh, Stadel, I believe. Uh, what is Mr. Stadel's height? Turn to somebody new that you haven't, introduce yourself to them, and say, uh, this is how tall I think he is. So he's somebody new. How tall do you think this guy is? Six foot four. You got it? 
job. You can say, I got it right at CEA. Um, notice it also has the meters involved as well. One thing that estimation does, estimation 180 does, is they start with this estimate, and then through the progression of the week, it builds upon itself. So tomorrow, and tomorrow, this was day one, and day two, it will take it and it will will now compare him to something else. And we'll either use the units that we've learned and we know so we can start to build the sense around how tall is this person actually. Okay. Um, on the website, there's a really cool resource where students can submit their answers. I just pulled whatever. I didn't try to look for something pretty. Um, but you can see that these students, you know, some of them aren't very serious, but you can see, okay, the lower range is four, the upper range is seven. How tall do you think? Five foot ten? Not in three quarters, but five foot ten. Um, and they said the reasoning is it's probably three feet tall. This is a great resource to use for kids to start to build that schematic background of what is distance, what is weight, what is uh, different measurements that we talk about, ounces, pounds, cups, etc. So, um, this would be the day two. So now that we know what his height is, now come back tomorrow and say, what do you think the height of the tree is? Now that you know that he's six foot four, now tell me what you think that the height of the tree is. So students are then able to go and say, well, I know this is six foot four. They can start to proportionalize, okay, this is what I believe this is, and they can start to use reason. Notice all of these questions that I've asked, when we talk about blooms, are we talking bottom or are we talking top of the pyramid? We're talking top. Well, I don't know that we've asked hardly any questions today outside of that four times eight that has been just, what is your baseline understanding? You've done that personally by yourself, but we've been applying and analyzing this whole time. So, anybody have a guess? It's yeah. It's oh, I actually didn't put it. On. It's eight four. Eight four. So, um, one other resource for you. This is a screenshot. They post podcasts as well, and this is all about number sense. Um, how do you build number sense within your classroom? Um, so, I haven't listened to all five of them. I did listen to. One or two. I listened to one a long time ago, and I listened to one before I put it up here to make sure that it was credible, and you're not going to click on it and be like, wow, that guy doesn't know what he's doing. That was a waste of time. So um, this is a good resource for you as well here. Um, okay, we are going to move on, and I want to share with you um, part of this TED Talk. Um, this is, it's, it's 12, 13 minutes long. It's very valuable to hold on, especially if you are in the K2 window, there's a part I'm not going to show about uh, number sense with fingers and the research behind what the value of fingers play within the classroom. So I would highly encourage you to go and listen to that later. It doesn't apply to us all today, um, but that's at the end of the video here. Um, this is just a good snippet of... I want to start. So the question I want to pose... The question I want to pose is, where do you see the extra squares? Where do you see the extra squares? So. Four squares in case two and case one. Where are they? So if we're in a classroom, I don't know how to this, but um, in the uh, interest of time, I'm going to show you some different ways you can think about this. And I've given this problem to many different people. And it was, I think it's my undergrads at Stanford who said to me, one of them said to me, oh, it's, I see it like raindrops, where raindrops come down on the top, so it's like an outer layer that grows new each time. It was also my undergrads who said, oh no, I see it more like a bowling alley. You get an extra row, like a row of skittles that comes in at the bottom. Very different way of seeing the growth. It was a teacher, I remember, who said to me, it was like a volcano. The center goes up, and then the lava comes out. <laughs> it was another teacher who said, oh, no, it's like the parting of the Red Sea. The shape separates, and there's a duplication with an extra center. And I remember this uh, was, uh, oh, sorry, not this one as well. Some people see it as triangles. They see the outside growing as an outside triangle. And then there was a teacher in New Mexico who said to me, oh, it's like Wayne's World. Stairway to heaven, access denied. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have this way of seeing it. If you move 
remove the squares, which you always can, and you rearrange the shape of it, you'll see that it actually grows with squares. So this is what I want to illustrate with this question. When it's given out in maths classrooms, and this isn't the worst of questions, uh, it's given out with a question of how many. And kids count. So they'll say in the first case there's four, in the second there's nine. They might stare at that column of numbers for a long time and say, if you add one to the case number each time and square it, then you get the total number of squares. But when I give it, we give it to teach, uh, students and teachers, high school teachers, and I'll say to them when they've done this, so why is that square, do you think? Why do you see that square function? They'll say, no idea. So this is why it's squared. The function grows as a square. You see that squaring in the algebraic representation. So when we give these problems to students, we give them the visual question. We ask them how they see it. They have these rich discussions, and they also reach deeper understandings about a really important part of mathematics. So we actually need a revolution in maths classrooms. We need to change a lot of things. And part of the reason we need to change so much is because research on maths teaching and learning is not getting into schools and classrooms. And I'm going to give you a stunning example now. And that stunning example you can listen to uh, on your own time. So. Um, why are we showing this? It, it goes back to the idea of, are we giving students the ownership to think of how they think through this problem on their own? Are we letting them think through the creative ideas of, this is how we see this lesson being taught? Um, giving them the ownership to think critically, deeply about these concepts. So I'd like you to take your dice back out. This time you're going to need to have five dice. This will be the last time we use the dice for today. Um, This activity will involve the five dice. There will be a target number that uh, you will use. I was so proud of myself. Yesterday I was uh, putting this video together before I came over and, uh, and I had this milk carton set up and my phone was kind of, there was a stapler that was sitting on it. I was rolling, making sure the phone didn't drop and, and I rolled the numbers and uh, the purpose of this is taking the five dice, rolling them and in your mind using some sort of equation to use the five dice or less to get your certain answer as close as you can. And I was so proud because I rolled the dice and I was doing the problem and I had the moment of realization of like, oh, I got it exactly. So if you want to watch the video and see my realization of I did it, you know, do that in your own time. So uh, the target number that we're going to use um, is going to be a little bit larger than the first one. I'm going to make this target number 600. 48, okay? What you will do is you're going to take the five dice, you're going to roll them out, and I'd like for you to figure out and have a strategy of how could I align them. You can see for this problem right here, I used um, a multiplication problem. Um, that actually got me close to 770. I wrote it down on the side to see how close can I actually get without before I get there. And probably most of us say, we probably won't have anyone get 648. We'll see. So take the five dice, roll the dice. You can only roll it once. You can't change your die. You can't switch the one to a two if you don't like it. And do the best you can to get as close as possible to our target number of 648. Can you only use the numbers once? You can only use it once. You can do multiple operations. Oh, you don't need to use it. I just said that. 
couple people that got it, right? One and two? Three. You missed it by one. What's really intriguing is to see students do this. When you set goals for them, specifically with the, these numeracy goals of the elementary and junior high levels, of where they start with these crazy abstract numbers. I think to a situation that I observed a couple weeks ago. Um, I was uh, working with a student, and we were talking about uh, division with uh, decimals. That was that that was the, that was what we were talking about at the time, and the problem was very close to 100.3 divided by 5.1. And I went to the student and I said, "Okay, you're getting started here. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think this answer is going to be close to?" And the kid got wide-eyed, looked at me, and said, "Six thousand." I thought. <laughs> So the number sense there was not very high. Right? That's where we see activities like this start to render themselves very well. When we see when, when kids are starting to explore what they know the function of how it works and they start to implement it, I'm trying to get to this number and they are way out in left field. And as they start to uh, conceptualize this, this, these ideas, they can bring it back together and say, this is how I can get close. Um, if you could take out the deck of cards that's sitting in front of you. Um, I had... Uh, one of the gales in the office helped shuffle all these, so they should be shuffled. So thank you, uh, Jody, for helping me out with that. Um, we're going to be taking these cards. Um, you'll need a partner, um, uh, somebody that's sitting close to you. And I want for one person to just take it and just cut it in half. Cut it in half. The other person can decide which, uh, which deck they would like to have. So the other person takes one half, the other person takes one. start very simple and then we're going to continue moving forward into some more from one two up to four five up to junior high um, and you can imagine if you are a high school math teacher how you could this. very simple one person is person X uh, when your partner decides who's going to be person X you'll be person X the whole time you know who's X okay the other person your Y okay so we're starting very simple Joy, I'm going to take your deck here. When you take the cards, you can't flip the card up and look at the card and then and bring it down. You have to flip outwardly, okay? You will flip the card together. We're going to start off very simple. Just simple addition. The Joker is worth 20. Jack, Queen, King is worth 10. The number values is what it is, and the Ace is 1. Okay? So you flip it over. So, Paula, you hear it? So um, we're going to flip it, we're going to flip outside, we're going to lay it down, and she says 19, so she gets the cards. If it's a tie, we leave them in the middle, we can go, okay? Here we go again, five. Okay. So take the card, get started, let's go for about one minute, and change the rule. Okay, we're gonna do one. We're gonna do two more rounds. 
we're going to do two more rounds. We won't do this. X times Y. X times Y. Split the cards. X times Y. X times Y. If you get the Joker, think about how you could chunk it. If you had a eight and a Joker, sixteen add the zero, one
the first prime number after 10. Okay, next question, subtract, I'm sorry, square this number. The number you, the, the number you wrote down. This yeah, square that number. Square the number. Subtract 21. Subtract 21. Find the square root of your answer. Find the square root. Subtract 10. Multiply by your age. Okay, this right here is, don't say the answer. Check your work. What is the first prime number after 10? Square the number, subtract 21. Find the square root, subtract 10, multiply by your age. Okay, turn to your neighbor and tell them what you got. Check your work, check your work. Okay, I hope you came up with zero. You came up with zero. Um, what did the kids walk with? What would, what would they say at the end? They said, oh, it's zero because we had zero times your age is zero. Think about all of the vocabulary that's, that's in this process. It's pretty rich. And as an exit ticket, it's pretty clear on where kids are lacking. So you can prepare to differentiate. If you're not differentiating in your classroom, start. Start doing it. Start, start, start. Okay, we're going to do one more. I would model through the answers, but we're kind of short on time. Here's another one. Oh, I don't want to show it to you yet. Sorry. Uh, we go back to factors again. How many factors are there of the number 30? How many factors are there of 30? How many factors? How many factors are there of 30? Square this number. Square this number. Find the square root of this number. <laughs> Add the number of degrees in a right angle. Add the number of degrees in a right angle. Subtract the number of degrees in a quadrangle.
Okay, Anyways, that makes a difference. Somewhat simplified. Negative 35 and 1 fourth. This is a little bit of a tougher one. What I would encourage you to do, this is a great, this is a great resource to use as when you are using when you're using a closure activity of pulling in those different vocabulary of your lesson and then supplementing in, you know, this is what we've done in the past and being able to spot where, hey, I have a kid that's struggling with this. Um, I have one more, a couple last slides I want to show you and then I'll let you be on your way. One quick question. Yes. Do you have a resource where you have, where you can find some of these mental maps or I just, I just would come up with them based on the standards that were in the, yeah, I was teaching from and I would use them as pre-teaching tools as well. So I would throw in, you know, if I'm teaching Prime coming up next week, I might throw that in as one of the bottom ones on the, on the, on the strand. And I use that then as an assessment tool for what am I going to pre-teach based on who got it right, who got it wrong. Yeah? I was just answering that one time with a few years ago. I just, you know, challenge math problems. Yeah. Yeah, if... If you Google it, there's stuff that's out there. So I just kind of would make them up. I would know. Okay, um, the last couple things I want to show you. Um, when I think of direct instruction within the classroom, some people think about it as the gumball machine. You put the quarter in, you get the, the gumball out, right? I would like to challenge this and think about this as our direct instruction hits over time. How effective are we say, if I hit this five more minutes, I know that Susie Q is going to get it. Is she or is she not? And I would encourage you to say when you're thinking about how do I fit this into my curriculum? How do I fit this in? Think about the time that you're using within your direct instruction where, quite frankly, you aren't necessarily accomplishing a whole bunch. It's at repetition, which we can put in here and we can have the differentiation. We can get kids actively engaged in higher level thinking. When we go back to that first list, those three were what? One was rep repetition. What was another one? Variation. Variation. And what was the other one? Depth. Depth. Okay. So all these activities, you can see where the depth was for this, the card activity, there wasn't much depth to it. But we had a lot of repetition. Um, even thinking about how we could differentiate that. Thinking about your kids that are struggling with certain facts, how we could change the cards out to accommodate what they need. How we could change the rules to accommodate students that are really pushing beyond and extending their learning. So I'd encourage you to think about where does your direct instruction lie? This class period, that we're, class period this uh, session, was we're 50 minutes in so far. This is probably the length of your math class, and we did so much in this period. If you have good procedures and you're able to move quickly, you'll be able to accomplish quite a bit. Um, there is one game that I love to play with kids. It's called Peruto. Um, those of you that talk with me in Kalamazoo, you know that I love this. This is a game I'm not going to show you. Uh, I'll leave here as a resource. Um, it's a game that works with... Uh, with multiplying fractions and whole numbers and thinking realistically about what fractions mean within the concept of how we can um, disseminate. I have 25 dice. You know, I'm thinking there are a whole bunch that are covered. What is, what is likely from this? How can I use fractions to then inform decision making? So I, I found that to be very fruitful with my own instruction from kids all the way from third grade all the way up through seventh. So um, I'll go back to where we started. My goal was to challenge your philosophy about what your classroom instruction looks like. What, activity, what activities happen most? How are your lessons structured? What percent of your math period is spent with students talking? Does your curriculum or choices promote exploration, discovery, and collaborative culture? And that's what I hope you go on your challenge with here. Now, the reason why we do this, not just because we want to achieve high success and growth um, within our classrooms, but because whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And this is why we're here, right? Because we're doing it for the glory of God. And whether that's math or that's ELA, um, I really come back, you know, this idea of how many of you have had kids or parents that have come to you and said, yeah, not really a math person, I don't really do math. Probably, probably all of you, okay? How many of you have had kids that come to you and say, their parents say, yeah, I'm not a reading person, I'm bank reading, who cares? You know, nobody says that. Okay? Math is so important to what we do. And we do it not for ourselves, but we do it for the glory of God. Um, this right here is a link with some of additional resources that are hyperlinked in. If you want the tiny URL, it's right on the bottom. You can just write that down. Um, and you can go back and use this as resources. Um, I will be doing this session again next week. Uh, not next week, tomorrow morning in the first session. So if you have colleagues that you're like, man, this math class is really dry, you know, it's just send them here and we'll change them. So, so uh, 
but I appreciate the time that you spent participating. Um, I just encourage you to try, explore, and you know, if your passion is for math, I'm glad that you're here. If it's, your passion isn't for math and you're teaching it, figure out how to make it your passion. So um, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. And Christine, is there any, if you need to. Yeah, so thank you. Enjoy the rest of the conference, guys. Thank you.